The Hogs are going to Omaha. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. You can actually feel Razorback Stadium shaking underneath our feet right now. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Arkansas wins the national championship. What I say when it comes to this basketball team is the law. Absolutely and without discussion. I have been trying to get you together with Ty. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascist. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. This is the Halftime Podcast, presented by Jeff's Clubhouse. We are uh, counting down. How many days is it now, Ty? Are we down to 41? Is it 38? Uh, 38. We actually 38. got under 40. Yeah, we're under 40. So Very nice. Had a little Connor Limper game-winning highlight over Ole Miss back in 2017 up on our social media today. So hopefully uh, keep posting those highlights. And Hadn't had anything recently good that you can post these uh, <laughs> last few years. but I know you were ready to post some highlights from last season if they came across. Yeah, man. Of course, that never really happened. And that's the be- that was the best thing about baseball, Phil. We often joked that during basketball and football season how after a weekend I couldn't really add in any rejoins or post any highlights because there wasn't anything to post. And then we get to baseball season and there was a ton to post. So hopefully, and I'm not asking... But they didn't have the same success that we saw from the baseball team this past year getting to the College World Series and the equivalent of that. But I would like to see the football and basketball team at least compete a little more than they did last season. You referenced the Ole Miss win against uh, the Rebels in 2017. Uh, one of, uh, well, that happens to be the last victory for Arkansas in the SEC. And I think that's well known, you know, after you go 0 8. Uh, and uh, the year before, the Hogs able to pull off. Uh, just uh, just one SEC victory, and uh, here you are looking at uh, at a season in which the the most winnable game, you know, according to us and probably most of the uh, so-called experts, some would call them pundits, uh, they're looking pretty much at the same thing. I don't know how many times we can say that second game of the season, the Ole Miss game, is the most important game of the year. And, and I think the reason you're looking at it like that is because it's the most winnable SEC game of the year. You felt the same thing last season when Arkansas couldn't hold that lead against the Rebels uh, in Little Rock on that ridiculously rainy night at War Memorial Stadium where Arkansas limped off the field with a frustrating and uh, tragic feeling 37-33 loss. Uh, because at that point, even though Vanderbilt was still in the schedule, you felt like they were uh, not going to uh, have a good shot against the Commodores, and that proved to be the case. You're chuckling over there. What's going on? I'm just I'm looking at these losses that Arkansas has had, and I'm looking at the list. And I couldn't tell if you were laughing at me no. over there in the ESPN Arkansas studios, or if you were laughing at something else. I'm just, because sometimes it's easy to laugh at that, you know, at the host. You know, it's the laugh at my pain. You sometimes hear that, and Arkansas fans have felt a lot of pain when it comes to the gridiron, especially in close. SEC losses, and I'm just going, kind of going through the list and all the notes I wrote down of these. You've got a long list here. We're, yeah. Ty put together a list of the last time that Arkansas beat each SEC team. And boy, so, I mean, you're laughing, but it's one of those laughs that's got some tragic feeling to it. You know, the, the, the two masks in theater, you got the, the tragedy and you got the comedy. And I feel like you're mixing these two things together at the very same time. Hunter and Fort Smith says we have to keep laughing so we don't cry, which is, a, I think, a, <laughs> a great point by Hunter and Fort Smith. And, That's and a great way to look at it, Hunter, because if you can't laugh at yourself at your worst moments, then really, what are you doing? 
I just think when you when you think of Arkansas sports in general, we've talked about that this on this show, Phil. How it seems like that every time you're finally something good's going to happen, something just out of nowhere happens, and that's kind of in reference to the the video that that guy made on Twitter yesterday. All the hog blown moments, whether it was Sterner's fumble, Reggie Fish's fumble, the the pick against Alabama, the second pick in twenty ten. It's that self defeating, yeah. almost self fulfilling prophecy that that Arkansas's fan base has bought into. You know, in really every sport right now, and you're given reason, I guess, to buy into that with, you know, that with a video like that that seemingly was so easy to put together. So back in twenty fourteen, when Arkansas played in Alabama's personal story, real quick, just to kind of illustrate what we're saying. I had worked late the night before, and I, I think I'd played basketball or worked out that morning before the game, so I came back and thought I was going to take a nap. Phil, I didn't wake up till the third quarter, and the TV's on, and Arkansas's winning. So I sprint out to my car, drive to the stadium. Sure enough, I watch Alabama win that game 14-13. to But that's just like the epitome of Arkansas football these last few years. Every time you think something good is going to happen, and by good I mean you're going to win the football game, they somehow, some way, find a way to blow it. And specifically, it's these SEC games that they have managed to just cr- crumble in. And it's it's amazing that how many different ways they've lost these games. It's not just like one way where they just haven't had a quarterback or they haven't had an offensive line or their defense. There's been so many varieties of ways that they've won these... They're, excuse me, they've lost these football games these last couple of years. And that's why... Um, that's why initially when we started the show, I'm just reading down the list of the notes that I wrote that uh, games that Arkansas should have won during the losing streaks against these SEC teams, and I'm just laughing because I don't want to. I don't want to cry on this program. I was going to say, you, you, at that point, you do one or the other. Yeah, you, you either laugh or you cry. It's just and that would come across on radio too. I was taking from someone who's actually shed a tear or two on radio. Yeah, they can tell you'll get choked up. But yours is. Yours is, is the up notes importance, and I, oh, John and I were talking about this last week during down at media days. The media down there were, was acting so serious, and it's like, yes, there's certain personal issues that come up during our program, Phil. We've talked about one of yours, and then there's certain things that I've talked about with my mom, stuff like that, but in reality, for the most part, we cover sports. We talk sports. Now, that changes every once in a while. Sports are fun. Like, you can't take it that seriously. Like, I... I I don't know many people that have cried over the 69 Texas-Arkansas game where Arkansas lost, or the, the Alabama game in 2010, or you can list a, a number of others, the, the Tennessee game in 1998. Like, I know that those memories are painful, but I've never heard anyone just openly cry about one of those losses, and I don't. that's not really my personality. If I'm going to cry about something, it's going to be near and dear to me. As much as Arkansas sports are, it's not on the same level as a family or friend or something more deep, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. And you know, it depends, I guess, on the the moment and maybe the opponent at times. Uh, but you know, I mean, you could have cried almost the entire season last year. You know, when you go through another another donut hole for the second time in five years in the SEC, and you had a couple of close calls. You know, LSU and uh, Mississippi, pretty much it. Texas A and M, obviously a close call too. That feels to me like the most frustrating of the the losing streaks that, that Arkansas is on right now. Because, I mean, you really do have some struggles, some recent struggles and streaks of losses against some of the programs now in the SEC. And, I mean, you know about Alabama. You've lost, what is it, 10 in a row? 10, it's more than 10 in a row. I think it's uh, 
it's 12 in a row to Alabama. So Arkansas and Tennessee, I think, are the only teams that play Alabama consistently since 2007, since Saban got there, that haven't gotten a dub. Now, there's these teams in the East that play them every six or seven years, whatever it is, and they haven't gotten a dub against Saban. Those are the only teams, I believe, that have played Alabama consistently and never beaten the Tide. Right. So, so you got this. You got this list here. I mean, you've got your seven straight losses against Texas A and M. Arkansas has dropped six of seven meetings against Mississippi State. You lost three in a row to Missouri. Uh, I think three in a row to South Carolina. Of course, you don't play them as often as as Arkansas used to. But you've you've got this list, and I feel like you were looking at this list for you. You put this list together, Ty, for two reasons. One, to try to at least harken back to a better moment. <laughs> to when there was actually a win and relive something that was thrilling, and also at the same time to point out, in some cases, how how far off Arkansas has been compared to the other teams in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the point we've had on with multiple national guys, whether it's Bill Keen that we have on weekly, who we have on today, whether it's Connor, whether it's just Bill Bender, whoever nationally, I often bring up these references and and just to show the difference of the programs right now where Arkansas used to be in their current state and then the other programs that they're stacked up against that they're having to recruit against and ultimately have to win on the football field against. In Alabama, it's in a, it's in a class in its own. It's by itself. Like Clemson, they're going to skate through their scheduling this year until they get to their respective championship games. And even then, Clemson might not face a competition. I think Alabama's going to have a tough time in Georgia, even though if they ultimately win that game out, but you're just so far behind so many different schools in so many different areas. And this list uh, compiled these different losses, the losing streaks, one I think is a great way to kind of illustrate and show where exactly the football program is right now. So you want to hit it? Let, let's go let's through this it. list. And again, if you want to get with us, we want to, you know, re- uh, remind yourself of better times, or if you want to wallow in the pig stuff for just a little extra, 877-377-6963. If you do text us, give us your name and your location. We will give you your proper due. All right, so let, let's get the let's get the longest streak out of the way first. <laughs> Alabama, the roll tide. So you have not won a game against the Alabama Crimson Tide since 2006, the late Tiffin game, the nightmare game is... Uh, Old, uh, not Herb Streak. Why am I? Vern, Vern Lundquist. I don't know why I'm forgetting a legend. Vern Lundquist had the, talked about the nightmare game for Lane Kiffin. You have Jeremy Davis winning the game for you in overtime. You have the Mustang and Cleveland throw kind of the back of the end zone, back corner. Bill, that's the only game you won. Let's go to a couple games they probably should have won. 07, Darren McFadden goes off in that game on the road. There's a BS pass interference call that John Parker Wilson gets on a second or third down in that game. Alabama ends up winning. That game was game was garbage. 2010, the game that Ryan Mallett throws those two picks that you probably should have won. The the Wingo second play of the game, wheel route that he took off that people called it was the loudest they've ever heard in Arkansas history. Then they find a way to lose that game. That's the game that Greg McElroy t- said that was the loudest SEC venue he has ever played in, the loudest stadium, which says something because he played the likes of I think he played in the Swamp. I think he played at LSU. So he played in a lot of different places. And then the only really one in this series that you can point to since 2007 is the 2014 game that I referenced where you had a missed extra point opportunity. I think it was Cody Walker that fumbled inside the goal line. There was just so many different chances where you had to beat 
one of the worst Alabama teams since 07 under Nick Saban because you had Blake Sims quarterback in that team is the the weakest team that they've had. It was the worst. I mean, that yeah. was 2000. That was 07. You know, Alabama has lost 21 games since the 2007 season. Yeah. So I, mean, I guess you would have. Not I guess you would have think that Arkansas might have been one of those at some point. At some point, man. You'd be wrong. Yep. Well, that's and that's so. There's really only three since 2007 that have been close that Arkansas had a chance in there. I guess you could point to one or two more, but those have been the only ones, and that that kind of shows you where they're at, like just with Alabama. And that's where a lot of programs are at. A reference Tennessee hadn't beaten them since Nick Saban arrived. It's just, man, it's tough. To think at one time, Phil, the only active coach in the SEC that had two wins against Nick Saban was Hugh Freeze. It's just weird, man. Weird. That, 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 that's one that doesn't quite make sense. Doesn't make sense. It kind of steals your tongue. One that's really hurting is, is, is the lack of performance against Auburn in recent years. Because for me, and I know you know Auburn has maybe more of a national brand than Arkansas, but I've always felt like the Razorbacks should be able to compete on a year-to-year basis with the Auburn Tigers. But they haven't competed with them at all. I mean, these last three years been outscored 142 to 26, and it's been since when? 2015, the last victory against the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, 2015, that four-overtime game, and the most vivid memory for me in that game was when Brandon Allen completed the pass to Drew Morgan on a fourth and goal that ended up helping them tie the ball game, and then they would ultimately go on to win in four overtimes. And real quick on our, our text line, Phil, I thought I said Lee Tiffin, It's and I said Lane Kiffin, actually. I meant Lee Tiffin. That's what I was referencing to. But back to the Auburn game, that was really the only one, and you've just gotten absolutely clobbered the 56 to 3 game either it was 33 to 3 or 30 to 3 last year and they're just there hadn't been a lot of close games but in terms of just kind of the last few years the 2010 game where it looked like one of the Auburn players fumbled before he got to the goal line I don't think that was Cam Newton but it, it might have been and then Tyler had to come in because Ryan Mallet got injured but he played fantastic in that ball game and then 2007 when they lost nine to seven, Phil, with Darren McFadden and Felix Jones. Nine to seven. That just doesn't make any sense. So you've had some close ones against Auburn as well, but you just you hadn't been able to get it done. There hadn't been as many close ones as of late because Gus Malzahn has really just absolutely just run a train over the tracks of the Arkansas football program. Last win against LSU. That was twenty fifteen. And Alex Collins went off in that ball game, picked up 141 rushing yards and a couple of touchdowns. One of the best games he had at Arkansas, but of course you've you've lost three years in a row since last year. That freezing cold game in Fayetteville, one of the one of the better performances for Arkansas. We lose that game by one touchdown. Uh, that also was the game where you had the uh, the collision on the backfield, which was the, the most embarrassing moment of the season. Yeah, it really didn't seem close, but Arkansas kind of made it a game towards the end. But that wasn't obviously as fun as the 2015 game when you have the the Jared you, the Dominique Reed touchdown, the Jared Cornelius. I, it was either a two point conversion or a touchdown. There was just a and then there was a reverse Jared Cornelius had where he. Uh, took off down the sideline. There was just a couple brilliant calls in that game, which made Todd Blackledge, ESPN at the time, say, I love the way Dan Enos calls a game. And that was a, a really fun game to watch. But you go back to some of these close calls, 2013 when Anthony Jennings comes in after Menberger gets injured and they shock Arkansas with a deep ball in like a third and eight. 2012 was the game that you should have won probably 
that was uh, I, Tyler airmailed. Um, I think it was Greg. Maybe it was. I don't know if Sprinkles there yet. It was. I mean, I'm not blaming Tyler, but that was one of those games that Arkansas had a chance in 2009. The game in Death Valley where Tyler, or, excuse me, Ryan Mallett leads them all the way back and is John. Have you heard the story about him and Aaron Andrews, Phil? No. I got to tell you this. So. Uh, he's John to Aaron Andrews uh, like after he leads Arkansas back. He's just saying, I told you, I told you, and, and told you, and then LSU ends up driving back, kicking a field goal, and then winning the game in overtime because Alex uh, Tejada missed one, which was a bummer, but that was a good one. That was the game that Joe Adams got absolutely rocked by Chad Jones and yeah. then scored moments later. Came back in the game after he got his helmet knocked off, and then moments later he came in, and then 06, the Trenton Holiday game when Darren McFadden goes for 80 yards, and then the next play, Trinity Holiday takes the kickoff back, and I think they lost 24-12 to that game. So that's those are some close ones. Nut era, Petrino era, Bielma era, but more of the, uh, the Bielma era that kind of stood out because you, you definitely had a chance in, in 2013 to win that football game on the road. Well, Arkansas had a four-game winning streak against Ole Miss until last year. They got snapped. One in 2017 with, I mean, a giant comeback trail, 31-7 to in the second quarter. Didn't we see Andrew Hutchinson tweet earlier today that that's the largest comeback in Arkansas school history? And then he would, he countered that with, and then later on in the Belk Bowl, which they played, that was their largest law. No, the the year before, excuse me, the year before, because that was 2017, excuse me. So 2016 Belk Bowl, that was, was their largest deficit that they gave up. So yeah, that's that's wild that they were able to do that on the road in Oxford. And there really hasn't been a lot of bad things that have happened to you against Ole Miss. I mean, I guess you can go to 2012, but Ole Miss series has kind of been kind to you. That's been, that's been the one that's been, Arkansas has been the thorn in the opponent's side, which you really can't say that I mean, about. You know, Ole Miss will go to their grave, you know. Knowing that the Hunter Heave took them out of uh, a chance to play for a national championship. At least you've got that feather in your cap, although they would have had that national championship rescinded, I believe, by the NCAA. I would I would say that so. And I still have Ole Miss alum friends that get mad at me just because I graduated from the University of Arkansas. And they, Bill, they talk about that game you just mentioned. That is the one program in the SEC West where you can actually feel proud about beating a good football team pretty consistently. You don't have many other feathers in your cap during the Brett Bielema era, but Ole Miss, that's actually one of them. Well, let's keep in mind now, before we're going to go calling them too much of a good football program, exactly where Ole Miss is right now, and pretty much six or seven in the SEC West right there along with Arkansas. I would say Arkansas... You'd like to say that Arkansas is trending upwards. I think they are. We'll find out more this year. I think Ole Miss is in the same kind of in the same boat. Uh, of course, the last win against Mississippi State, 2016, that was a thrilling ball game. Both teams with, uh, well, they combined for like 1,200 yards. Uh, that was a 58-42 win for the Razorbacks. And here's where one of the things, we were talking about like circles of hell for college football and where Mississippi State was in that pit of hell for a good 10 years there where they finished in last place. It was seven of nine years in the SEC West. Yeah. And Arkansas used to dominate over Mississippi State. Between 1995 and 2011, Arkansas won 15 of 17 meetings. And now they've lost six of seven. And Mississippi State is, I mean, as of right now, they are, they're well ahead of Arkansas and will be favored again this year. And I think that 
is a perfect way to tell Mississippi State fans how valuable Dan Mullen was as a head football coach. And, and they were there's a lot of angry Mississippi State fans when he went off to Florida. Many called it a lateral move. Phil, that's not a lateral move when you go to the University of Florida. It's a much better program. It's, a, it's just a lot better place to be coaching football than Mississippi State. I'm curious about Joe Moorhead. I know our friend Connor O'Gara really likes him and thinks he's going to have great success there, but I, I'm curious if they can have the same level that Mullen got them to again at one point in the time, the number one football team in the country. But Brett Bielema and his, his football team had some rough go-arounds against Mississippi State. We could start with the 2014 team that well, it was 17-10, to 10, I believe. Brandon Allen threw that pick at the very end of the ball game when they're driving. Then move on to 2015 when that was one of the best football games I've ever seen. Mississippi State at Arkansas, B.A. and Dak dueling it out. Incredible quarterbacking play. Ultimately, Dak Prescott, Mississippi State won out because I think Dan Enos, and this I think was a Brett Bielema decision, just take his foot off the gas. And then it was either Cole Hedlund or it was Henson. I can't remember. I think it was Hedlund that got his, his kick blocked, and then they would ultimately lose that game. Then 2017, that was a close one that Mississippi State found a way to win. There's just been some uh, rough go around. So you've had a good bit of luck against one Mississippi school and a bad run of luck against the other. And then essentially no luck against any other schools in the Westville. And, and, and the rest of the list, Georgia, haven't beat Georgia since 2010. Lost seven of the last eight. Arkansas, of course, only two wins against Florida all time. Last win in 2016. Hogs lost, uh, last beat Tennessee in 2015. Uh, South Carolina in 2011. You know, have a chance to beat Kentucky later this season, but the last win came in 2012 under John L. Smith. Remember all the laughing that Missouri's coming into the SEC and that they're the quote-unquote cross-border rival for Arkansas, but here it is. It's been three years. Last win against Mizzou was 2015, and the last win over Vandy, 2011. And there have been many more opportunities for victories in uh, in a good chunk of those ball games. Jeff Taylor and his staff over at Jeff's Clubhouse has a fantastic catering service, and they can almost cater up to any size. Give them a call today at 479-308-9123, or check them out on Facebook, or visit online at theclubhousefs.com. Now back to the Halftime Pod. Let's go. For the first time, it is Kelly Stacy, and she joins us right now. Kelly, thanks for coming on today. How's it going? It's good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So how long have you been in Fayetteville? How long have you uh, been covering Arkansas Athletics? I've read all three of your stories. It's been uh, it's, it's been short time, hasn't it? Yeah. So um, technically my first day of work was July 8th, but we didn't announce anything until July 15th. And so uh, I just moved to, to Arkansas on Sunday. I'm living right outside of Fayetteville, but I've been covering them for a couple of weeks now. Now, you... I, I read your story, and it's like a ubiquitous story that all the athletic writers write about themselves and their decision to leave wherever they were writing and why they took the position at the athletic. And and I think some people might look at the move that you made from covering one of those dominant programs in the country for any sport, UConn women's basketball, and now moving to a, a program that is rebuilding from the ground up. But you, you That's the reason you made the move. It seems you might feel that covering a rebuilding Arkansas football program would actually be more interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely understand where people are coming from whenever they look at the move that I made and kind of question it. But I've covered winning teams for, you know, 
three years now with OU football being two of those years and, and then UConn. And, you know, I just, I love college football and I really wanted to get back to it. And even though Arkansas hasn't been super successful in the past few years, I think that it's kind of an interesting new challenge for me to cover a team that is trying to make its way back up to kind of the prime years of Arkansas football. And I think it's just a very interesting time for the program and it'll be fun to write about. Talking with Kelly Stacy, Arkansas football beat writer for The Athletic here on Halftime. Kelly, have you gotten a chance to talk with Jason Kersey? I know he he didn't cover Arkansas football for The Athletic. He covered it for SEC country at the time, but I know mm-hmm. he's one of your coworkers at The Athletic now covering college football, Oklahoma football over there in Norman. Have you talked to him about what it's like to, to cover this team specifically and just the reception from the fan base? Yes, I have. Jason and I actually kind of crossed paths while um, we were, well, he was leaving covering OU football to start uh, covering Arkansas, and I was just getting onto the beat. And so we'd sort of known each other a little bit. And, yeah, Jason has been really helpful in my move here. And he's he's really pushed, I mean, before this happened, you know, whenever it was a possibility that I would be covering Arkansas, we weren't sure yet. I talked to him quite a bit. and. He really loved Fayetteville and really loved the fans and the program here and was convinced that I would fall in love with this state and I would really enjoy covering this team. And, you know, I've only been here a few days and covered the team for a few weeks now. But I, I have to say he was very right. I, I love it so far. So, Kelly, I know you've only set up shop for a couple of days, but have you gotten to eating some of the, the home-cooked places around there up in Fayetteville? I know you've been getting a lot of suggestions. Have you gotten a chance to partake in any of them? I haven't yet, but tomorrow I plan on – I haven't decided which of the suggestions I'm going to, to try tomorrow, but I am trying a new place tomorrow. I will tweet about it immediately and let you all know if I like it or not, but I'm, I'm pretty positive I will. Phil, People on Twitter always have really good suggestions. Phil, this is huge. We can talk with her about food, too. This will, I think we're going to go along <laughs> fine, Kelly. Oh, I saw I saw a bunch of – you know, the, one of the things I like about The Athletic is that they have – you know, the, there are comments to follow on the bottom – Sometimes they're good, mm-hmm. sometimes they're bad. Yeah, you can hear the groaning Kelly's voice because I'm sure you've seen some comments that you wish you wouldn't have seen, but it looked like some people were just kind of throwing out restaurant recommendations on your introductory story. Yeah, so I tweeted and asked people for them, and I was surprised that some of the people who had, I guess, saw it on Twitter and decided that they would read my story and then leave the comment there. But, yeah, I've gotten a lot of suggestions Uh Excited to to write down that list and start trying things throughout the season. What would tell tell me what it's like to to work for the athletic? I find this company fascinating. Um, you know they 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 have taken a lot of outstanding writers that might not have had another outlet because of the the downturn in the newspaper industry and how difficult it can be to be a freelancer at certain times. And the athletic has got this incredible stable. Of, of reporters, some who've been around for decades and some like yourself that are in their second or third year covering this. But it is at, it, it's becoming, it's, it has, it's not becoming, it has become accepted as an established part of the sports media. But what makes the athletic different from a traditional media outlet? Well, first of all, I have to say, you know, for working here for almost a month now, I love it. And a big part of that is you know, for the writers and the people who come on board here, they put such a focus and an emphasis on the writing and, you know, on finding writers, the right editor to work with and who do you mesh best with and 
you know, they kind of work around your schedule and we don't have those those demands that you have working at a print paper where you have to meet deadline all the time. You know, if it's not perfect, take another day, make it perfect, make it something that the readers are really going to want and really going to appreciate. And then from a reader standpoint, you're getting really quality coverage because writers are able to take their time on things and you're also doing it without having to, you know, deal with any pop-up ads, anything obstructing your view. It's, you know, a very simple, clean website. And the athletic is constantly expanding, and so more and more people are finding their favorite teams are being covered. So all around, it's just a great place to work and a great place to subscribe. Ty and I were commiserating about just we, – we, we, were, we were bashing the Sports Illustrated website in the last segment because, I mean, you can't get on that website without a million ads popping up and really getting in the way of what mm-hmm. you want to read. That's one of the things I like about the athletic. I don't even realize I'm spending money on the subscription. So I do think it's worth people's time. Now, the thing about this is, though, you know, it's it's brand new in Arkansas. Uh, so, I, mm-hmm. you know, you haven't covered a game yet. I just kind of wonder, you know how media can be around each other. I find it odd sometimes. Like radio people sometimes don't get along because they view themselves in competition. TV people seem to get along, but then they are pretty good at getting along with somebody that they really don't like. The writers are the same way. I wonder if you're expecting any you know, any side eye in the press box or any pushback at all, because this is a brand new media that's in, that's coming in to cover this team. Well, I mean, whenever I jumped onto the UConn beat, you know, I'm from Oklahoma and so no one in Connecticut knew me. And I, I think that joining a new beat, whether you're coming in from a completely new outlet, like I am now, or just coming in and filling in a role that was someone else's the year before, it's always a little bit awkward at first, you know. Um, some people might not like it that I'm here, and that's completely fine with me. Um, it doesn't bother me very much. But I don't know. I I always go into into meeting new people on a beat with kind of an open mind. And, you know, if they're happy that I'm here, cool. And if they're not, then that's okay, too. I'm I'm here to do a job and, you know. I mean, you don't have to be friends with everybody. You just have to get along with everyone. You just have to be a, a writer that your readers like to read is what it comes down to. <laughs> exactly. Kelly Stacy of The Athletic is our guest on Halftime. Kelly, I want to talk about a couple people that you covered in your previous tenures. You were a student at Oklahoma. You wrote for the student newspaper. Baker Mayfield has been a topic on this program. He had an incident on Dixon Street. He's got his thing going up <laughs> with Cleveland right now. What was it like to cover him back in college, I, I might I, I might imagine that would have been a little bit interesting. Oh, yeah. There was never a boring day whenever uh, I was covering Baker. You know, he makes headlines all the time. Um, he's got a, a really big personality, very charismatic. He was great with the media whenever he was at OU. Um, you know, he was, he was just a fun player to cover off the field and on the field. Obviously, whenever I learned of the covering Arkansas, my first thought was, oh, as soon as they found out I'm from OU, they're going to mention the incident there. Um, I do remember having to cover that. <laughs> and he gave a very, you know, heartfelt apology and stuff like that. He had to give a few of those one time I was there. But, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I got to cover the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. And, you know, his last game at the Rose Bowl was my last game covering OU football. So we kind of had a had similar paths throughout college. So it was it was a fun time those few years. 
So we have a guy by the name of Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio that comes on every Friday. He's a UConn alum. So I want to go back to stores where you just were covering Gino Ariema and the U- University of Connecticut women's basketball team. What is the biggest thing you took away from one of the best basketball coaches in NCAA history? Oh, man. That's that's a big question. And I, I feel like I've learned a lot just watching Gino in the past year and talking to him. Um, I I think the most important thing that I've learned from him is, you know, you can always, always learn from any situation, whether it's a win or a loss or, you know, the past few years, they've had some trouble on the recruiting trail. He's just one of those people who has had so much success over the past three decades, but he never feels like he's reached a point where he can stop learning or stop progressing. He feels like he always needs to be moving forward. And, you know, just because something worked last season with his team doesn't mean that he shouldn't try to find a way to make it better the next year. And so I think just his philosophy of constantly learning and trying to improve himself and his team is the biggest takeaway from last year for me. Kelly, let's talk about your current beat, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Chad Morris obviously has made a point to bring back some of that Darren McFadden team history, whether it's the uniforms the grass, the highlights they're putting on their social media accounts. Why do you think it's important to bring back some of that old history for the success of this football program? I think that Chad understands, like most coaches probably do, that whenever you go through a 2-10 and season and you know go through the rough patch that Arkansas has had the past few years, even if you have an absolutely rabid fan base, they're going to start to get dejected and they're going to start to pay less attention to the team or maybe even care a little bit less sometimes. And so it's important to try to pull fans back in and remind them, you know, there was a point in time when we were really good. And that's, that's the goal is to get back there. And, you know, we're, we're not going to sit here and be complacent and deal with this two and 10 time. Like it's okay because it's not. And, you know, it's, it's very clear that they want to get back to the McFadden era. And so in an effort to try to keep fans engaged and keep fans excited about things, he's trying to kind of give them a piece of that tradition and pride that they used to have in hopes that it'll bring some back for this next season. Kelly, you guys going to be covering other sports too, or is it just football? I know the Athletic, um, you know, they're not just a football publication. And, of course, you got mm-hmm. lots of other stuff going on campus aside from football. Yeah, so during the season, pretty much I'll be 100% football, but – during the off season, I'm I'm pretty sure that I have kind of free reign to pick and choose stories from other sports as That's I please. Nice. Uh, and I love writing about other sports. I love just finding good stories, no matter what sport it is. So there will probably be a significant amount of other sports coverage during the off season. Won't be a shortage of things to pick from, that's for sure. Kelly, we'll be following, we'll be reading, and uh, we'll definitely like to have you on during the football season. Thanks for your time. Thank you. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast, presented by Jeff's Clubhouse. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast at hitthatline.com.